one podcast. Mining the Magic the Gathering subreddits for salt. This is The Howling Salt Mine. It's The Howling Salt Mine. The Howling Salt Mine. Well, welcome back, everybody, to another episode of The Howling Salt Mine podcast. The podcast where we are delving into those salty, salty minds of the Magic the Gathering subreddits, finding the saltiest posts, getting the saltiest stories from our listeners, and bringing them back up to you so you guys can hear about them, laugh with us, maybe get a little bit of wisdom, or just pick up our bad habits and repeat them in your own group. (laughs) (laughs) I like that. Probably the most accurate thing. Yeah. (laughs) What else did you like? Well, I was going to say that you didn't fuck up. Oh, thanks. <laughs> kind of <laughs> odd. Out of character. It is out of character. It was sick. I mean... But who am I? I am your host, Sam. And I'm here with my two co-hosts, Mike and Tony. Say hey, guys. What up? Howdy ho. I really wanted you to say you were 24601. Anybody get that? I know just numbers. Anybody in the comments? Numbers? At me. At me in the comments if you we get We know that. Sam doesn't listen to Les Mis. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Was that a Les Mis thing? Do they well, sing like, about numbers? My? Yeah, they sing numbers. It's like a whole thing. It's like a, it's a big part of the show. <laughs> They're just really into numbers. Is it about like a robot and that's his serial number? <laughs> yeah, I know you wish. It's about <laughs> Wi-Fi routers. And they're just all miserable. <laughs> Well, friends, oh, man. what's new with you guys? Dude, it's a new year. Um, this is our first oh, episode shit. of the new year. Can you fucking believe it? It's not It's not a new year yet, though. Mike, we have to pretend for the listener. Oh, oh, uh, <laughs> oh I thought Mike bad. was going to be like, this is coming out this <laughs> <Shit>. Thursday. <laughs> oh, man, that would be crazy. <laughs> no, I have, in our mind's eye, let's pretend yeah, that new the new year, year has come me. and gone. I can transpose myself into future Mike. Yeah, exactly. I can make that happen. Yeah, so New Year, you know, it's pretty crazy. By the time this episode drops, we will have been doing this podcast for fucking five months? Yeah, five months. Oh, wow. That's crazy. It hasn't died yet. It's a lot of months. It actually feels like longer. (laughs) Five doesn't feel like that much. (laughs) I guess we, we started recording in like June, so it feels like we've been doing it for way longer. I don't, I think we started recording in August too. Am I crazy? July, I thought. Wasn't it July? We had to have started, we started recording in like June or July. Okay. I thought, what not was June. The first? Yeah, no because June. it was before I left. And... Oh, yeah, remember you guys fucking we oh, like, yeah, we both pod- disappeared for <laughs> like. launched the podcast and you guys were just on vacation for like two months yeah like literally like i was off for like two three weeks and then mike was just gone (laughs) (laughs) he made it back from his trip and we had a whole episode about it's true but anyway i don't care what else is new for you guys because i want to talk about my new dogs (laughs) (laughs) yeah talk about your dogs i want you to talk about your dogs too yeah did you get some dogs i picked up some old ladies their names are thelma and louise and Aww. they're fucking precious. They're, the picture of them was literally like 
besties, Thelma and Louise, please adopt together. We Aww. love each other. <laughs> we're like, we can't not. Wow. When I say old ladies, they're like, on the form, it was like, oh, they're like seven-ish. And we go to look at them, and I'm like, that dog is like probably 10. <laughs> One. <laughs> Which uh, is like ancient in dog years. It is. And that's the sad part, because like, I love, the, I'm already <laughs> attached, and I don't think they're going to be around very long. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> They've like, oh, no. Uh, like arthritis. They had like health issues and stuff. They they were like out on the street together. Oh. Uh, and wow. then, and were like really emaciated and had been at the Humane Society for like six months or something. Oh, man. And like, and you say also, they dude. were super popular. Like, <laughs> On Facebook, there was a comment. It had like 500 comments on it about like people being like, we love these dogs. Like it's a Christmas miracle that somebody took them <laughs> and together. Uh, and they're just great. Did you plug the podcast in that Facebook post that went viral? <laughs> I should have. <laughs> Did you say like, yeah, the co-host of the Howling Salt Mine. Yeah. If you ever want to, you know, these dogs love salty reddit posts yeah i definitely should have missed opportunity <laughs> i'll have to reach out to that community because i think they'll definitely be into magic so like it'll be a good hit yeah but. responders <laughs> on the thread being like uh you can't give old dogs salt they're gonna they're gonna die tell yeah. <laughs> but they're the best and i already love them and they just want love they're kind of hoes because they'll go to anybody who gives them love nick was actually just here visiting and like we thought today. that they like loved us, but immediately went over to Nick and Laura, <laughs> his wife. Like, just know whoever is petting them is who they love. That's definitely how they roll. Honestly, dude, I think adopting old pets is like one of the coolest things you can do because every puppy, every kitten is going to get fucking adopted, right? Like that's the whole reason puppy mills exist because you got to crank out that sweet product for the next customer coming down oh, the Jesus. aisle. <laughs> Damn, You're the right, content though. grind is real. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah they're grinding that content, dude. But oh it's it's the person that adopts the old dogs that that literally do only have you know two, three, whatever years left that I think really makes a difference because those old animals still have so much love to give. And it's so sad to see them just like not having a home. And yeah, it's sad to adopt something that won't be around for a long time. But at the same time, you can like make their, you can make the end of their lives like as comfortable as possible and give them like the best final chapter to to their story, which I think is just the sweetest fucking thing ever. Yeah. And that's definitely how it's going down. And as a result, also like in that post that went up, um, I think Stephanie and I got elevated to sainthood right then and there. You should have like all these. My mom said that she was like, you guys, she she started reading all the comments and she's like, you guys got like elevated to sainthood. Like what the hell? (laughs) Like We know. Oh my God. Man, that's crazy. Still didn't plug the podcast though. (laughs) Yeah, I know. It was a fucking fail, dude. I guess not fully to sainthood, not fully up there, but yeah. Much like our friendship, your your sainthood is worthless unless it's monetized, Tony. <laughs> <laughs> so did you guys have a good holiday? How was your, uh, we, we haven't really talked since Christmas. How was your Christmas oh, yeah. and holiday celebrations? Good? So good. Um, I had, my brother-in-law was in town and he likes magic, but he doesn't get to play it very often. He's got, you know, a bunch of young kids, like three young kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he's very busy person and we jammed like so many 1v1 games i had like built him awesome 
and partially like built with cards from his collection, a slime foot deck like two years ago, maybe, maybe even three. He brought that. So we were like playing that. And then halfway through, we were like, let's proxy a bunch more cards and put them in this deck. We <laughs> couldn't order them in time. So we just like proxied a bunch more. Uh, it was awesome. It was a good time. That's amazing, dude. How were like the little ones? It is like they're they're getting like older, so like I feel like it's getting probably more fun because like they know more of what's going on, you know. And they're like little people now. Yeah. Christmas Christmas was insane at my house. There was there was a absolute mountain of presents. I don't think any adult was able to contain themselves and get less than two gifts for any of the given kids. <laughs> so there was just an absolute mountain of things at the bottom of the tree when we came down. Like Mika took a video of them walking in. <laughs> And just like jaws dropping, like what? <laughs> I definitely can appreciate that because, like, I mean, for me, there's only two, and they're not. I'm not even directly related to them yet. But Stephanie's got a nephew and a niece, and we asked her brother for like recommendations, and he sent us a ton of stuff. And I mean, it's like kid toys, so they don't really cost that much. So I fucking yeah. bought all of it. Yeah, <laughs> and they're so fun. Yeah, exactly. And you want to like, play with them a little bit too, so you're well, like, you know, well, I, I gotta know. get this one, you know. Well, the great part was this wasn't even this was like our sort of after Christmas thing. Like the other night we went over, had some wine and just like had the kids open gifts. And we got uh, like this Bluetooth mic that is just like it turns anything into karaoke, I guess. But not really. It's just playing the song from Spotify, like whatever song. And you can add like reverb to your voice. And oh, so I've seen those. <laughs> we were literally all just like singing and like the kids are singing and it's like ridiculous and like cute and shit. And you're just like, this is fun. But this <laughs> was a child's great. toy. Like, oh, that's amazing, dude. <laughs> How about you, Sam? Uh, yeah, it was great. Um, we had my wife's family over for Christmas Eve, which is kind oh, so of like our your house. Yeah, it's our house, oh, nice. sick. Um, which is we're, we're always like crafting new traditions with my wife's family because they her, like parents moved and all this different kind of stuff. So last year we had them at our house uh, right after we moved in. And this year we had them back. And this year we started a new tradition that I think we're just going to stick with, which is getting Chinese food on Christmas Eve, which oh, was nice. fucking awesome, dude. <laughs> nice. Like last year we cooked like a big beef roast thing and it was it was great. We like made all these complicated mashed potato dishes. It was great. Right. Yeah. But this year it was just so sick to just bust out like $200 worth of Chinese food. It was way <laughs> more than anyone could eat. It was yeah. like these two massive boxes and we just like drank beer and ate Chinese food and, you know, passed around some gifts and it was super chill, really laid back. Yeah. We actually got Chinese food on Christmas day for dinner because Stephanie is Jewish. And so She's always like, like, she's like, this is my tradition. This is like yeah, what I totally. always have. And I'm like, okay, like, let's do it. That's great. And that's, a, that's a tradition for so many people, you know, who don't celebrate Christmas and who do. And it's something we never tried. And man, I'm like all in on it. It was fucking awesome. <laughs> I will and now we've the... been eating Chinese food for like three days. So I do feel like <laughs> shit. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I've been drinking a lot you of gotta, beer. Too. You got to order it like far in advance cuz we ordered at like maybe 6:30 or 7 and like it took like 2 hours for us to get our Chinese food cuz like we called the restaurant and they're like we're sorry but this is maybe our busiest night of the year. So oh, yeah. Like, I pre-ordered it, man. I pre-ordered yeah, it like nice. the day before. Should have done like that. a pickup time. <laughs> it was it was clutch. You needed it. We we didn't order any food. Our our food tradition is on Christmas morning, having eggs Benedict, nice. which used nice. to be like pretty great. You know, it'd be like my dad would make 
you know, some for each of us. It would be like a dozen eggs, basically. You'd make like 10. Uh, now, uh, Mika and I volunteered to make it, and we made two dozen eggs Benedict. Damn. <laughs> two entire cookie trays full of, like, eggs Benedict. It was, That's it was a lot a of time. eggs Benny. It was a lot. It was a lot of Benny. But it's so great. It's so good. My Christmas Day, we, like, went to my family's house. And what my family does is we eat a lot of good food, like really high quality food in massive quantities. So (laughs) we had like foie gras pate and like all these like fancy French cheeses. And my mom made like 10 filet mignons and popovers and mashed potatoes and all this kind of stuff. And man, I was eating that. And then my dad had amazing beer, which he always does. My uncle got me amazing beer. Like I'm drinking some heady topper right now. Um, shout out to the alchemist in Vermont, amazing beer. I just was like drunk and eating and at, literally at the end of the day, my stomach was like distended and <laughs> I was so physically uncomfortable. I was like doubled over and I just went up to bed and just like farted and fell asleep. <laughs> I find my issue is like when I'm that full, I can't sleep. I'm just like. Yeah, I, I like had to. Uh, I'm just like laying there and like, oh my God, like I'm so happy yet so displeased with myself at the same time. I mean, I, I did read like One Punch Man for 45 minutes nice. before passing out. Nice. Where are you <laughs> at? Sure. I finished it. I'm caught up oh, fully. Oh yeah. It's, yeah, it's so good. Well, um, you know, this being a new year, I do want to kind of like reflect on where the podcast has gone and and where we're planning to go for this next year. Um, This is going to be a big year for us. You know, this is our first full calendar year of having the podcast since we're new. And hopefully it doesn't end. (laughs) 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 But we've we've got a lot of stuff planned for this year. Um, One thing I'll say is that we're not going to do mail time anymore. And you, the listener at home, you may be like, what? But I love mail time. And we do too. We love it. In fact, we love it so much that we're going to start doing mail time every single episode. Are you going to sing the song every episode, Sam? I probably won't sing the song every episode. No. Fucking bullshit. <laughs> this is fucking. Will we? Will we make our listeners quitting. listen to it's it in it every my contract episode? that you sing it? <laughs> it's in your contract <laughs> that I sing it. <laughs> yes. Read the fine fucking print. Oh my god! I should have read that contract before I signed it. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, five months of attention on the podcast, five months of growth. We're at a point where we kind of always knew we'd get to this point, or we kind of always hoped we would get to this point where we're getting enough listener mail that if we only did one mail time episode a month, there'd be a ton of stuff we just never got to. So what we want to do is just start to incorporate that into the episode. So we're going to be talking Reddit posts. We're going to be talking listener mail. We're going to be talking about stories that we get from our patrons as well. Now that we have the Patreon up and running. So, you know, it's still going to be the same feel, same content, but really just all melded together in one beautiful medley. Yeah. We're, we're becoming less discriminatory about where our salt comes from and are willing to uh, search these new veins. Exactly. This is a mine that has many different shafts. (laughs) <laughs> oh, no no <laughs> ah the shafts of the mine <laughs> and we're so are ready for that too sam little children <laughs> we still have the comedy stylings of 
three 14 year olds mm, <laughs> quite possibly <laughs> before we get into the show do you guys have any new year's resolutions for this podcast anything you guys want to do this year again at the top of my mind is always quality so i think we have like good quality now but by the end of the year having it be like even better and like consistent across all of us is something yeah. that's in the back of my mind that i would want I'm feeling personally attacked right now, Tony. (laughs) (laughs) That delay was Mike fishing his microphone out of the toilet. (laughs) (laughs) That's just where it gets the best quality, Sam. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. I think my New Year's resolution for the podcast is just getting out and getting some more games with people, whether it's, Mm. you know, with patrons or Mm. other content creators or at different conventions. Uh, I'm really excited for that. And I love hearing stories, you know, while playing a game of magic. So uh, I'm looking forward to that dimension of it. Yeah, I I totally agree. One other thing in the back of my mind, too, is like overall merch. I feel like people have like Mm. something a lot of people ask about and they want. And so like doing more to like make that happen. And I definitely think we will. uh, But finding a way to be like consistent about it so that it's not uh, like one offs all the time. But definitely. Yep. Something else I want to do is play on more streams. You know, Tony and I played yeah. on a couple streams recently. Uh, we've got a few more lined up this month. And man, it's just fun to connect with other content creators in the space, uh, you know, network and potentially get them on the show and introduce our listeners to people that maybe they haven't heard of and vice versa. So, you know, we have a whole year to grow this. Um, you know, I'm really hoping that we can make it through the April and May season. <laughs> Why? What's what's going on in the April and, and May season, Sam? Nothing important. <laughs> because my, because my <laughs> wife is going to have a baby. So come April, if all goes according to plan, I'll be a father of a healthy baby. And uh, yeah, that's going to be a whole new thing to play with. Um, you know, I'll have regular work. I'll have this side job and I'll have my new job of being a father. So We'll be fine. You guys Those won't even all notice. full-time gigs, so you're totally fine. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the listener won't even notice. It'll be seamless. <laughs> I won't sound tired at all. Nice. <laughs> well, should we get into it, guys? Let's jump Hell into it. Our yeah. first episode of the year. If people are still hanging on, they haven't switched this off. They're like, what the fuck is this podcast? <laughs> but they're going to talk about magic. <laughs> yeah, so, so far we've just talked about Manga and business. Business. <laughs> business. Well, this is a magic podcast where we talk about salt, salty stories, salty posts, salty confessionals. But Sam, it's a new year. I don't know what the f- what the fuck is salt? I need I need a new definition of salt. We're in the new year. <laughs> Bring back Pat. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, just cut over Pat's soundbite over this. Oh my God. (laughs) Salt is so many things. You know, Mm. I love to kick this off by saying salt is frustration in the game. And I really do think that that is the best definition for it. Salt is when things aren't going your way and you're getting like a little frustrated or maybe a little angry or maybe a little sad that things aren't working out. Maybe someone sits down at your table. And pub stops a little bit. They come in with something really hot and heavy and and they're just crushing on your pre-con game. You know, that's pretty frustrating too. That can definitely make you salty, uh, make others at the table salty. Or maybe your opponent is just super salty and complaining about removal, complaining about getting attacked, 
complaining about getting targeted. And you're like, dude, we're just playing a game. And now their salt is getting you salty. There's so many different situations that can make you salty in this game. You know, one of the reasons that we like to talk about it is because by dissecting what makes you salty, you get a little bit of wisdom to maybe help you avoid becoming salty yourself. It's not perfect. We all still get salty. Um, in fact, we all get really that's salty. A, that's a lie. I'm never salty. Uh, <laughs> I don't even I, like my, my magic playing is so bland that like, I, I like need salt. Like, I don't even know what you're talking about. Well, I mean, you're definitely right about that. Bland, Fuck you. Bland piece of After shit. it came yeah. out of my mouth, I was like, shit, <laughs> zero spice. Yeah. D- 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 myself the a most boring hole. magic player around. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully my new deck will be spicy. <laughs> But yeah, all of those things are salt. My long-winded answer for the first one of the year. The rest are just going to be pithy jokes. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> well, shall we get into it, guys? Let's let's read our first story and uh, really crack into the shaker here. Yeah, new year, new me. Let's go. Our first post comes to us from Soap Dude, and it says... Hello, I wanted to tell y'all about my two experiences with magic and wanted to get your thoughts on the best way to get beginners into the sport. It's uh, never heard anyone call it a sport. Hey, (laughs) here we go. It is competitive, so that must make it a sport, right? (laughs) I mean, people sweat, so. I am tired after I play a lot of it. (laughs) (laughs) The first draft was okay. I watched one, maybe two videos on how the game was played prior to the event. The ritual of the draft was overwhelming and confusing, just barely understanding the text on the cards. My buds, Tony and Mike, (gasps) (gasps) (laughs) helped me assemble a deck, and I played a few very confusing games. I lied to the boys and said it was fun. (laughs) (laughs) Probably said something about how it might be a good idea to play with a simpler deck and then moved on. Up until this point, I had played a few card games, never very much enjoyed the deck building aspect. Yu-Gi-Oh, Dominion, Hearthstone. Shout out to Inscription, though. Yo, you don't like Dominion? We're done with this post. (laughs) Dominion fucking slaps. It goes on to say, the second experience turned me off even more so. This one dude was clearly the most knowledgeable, so I asked him for some advice after I opened my packs, but I made it very clear how beginner I was. He proceeded to start sorting all the cards using tons of lingo I didn't understand. He starts asking me what my preferences are, and I'm like, I don't know. I played maybe two games with a deck I had no idea how to use and left the night feeling pretty damn salty that I paid for the experience. So anyway, what are y'all's thoughts on a beginner playing the draft format as their first intro to the game? What's the best way to be introduced to Magic? When will y'all get bored and play a different game like that so I can stop hate listening to all the fun you're having? (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding. I will admit, I don't try very hard to get into the game, but I'd love to hear about the success of the podcast so far. Oh, thanks. I can't wait to hear that you all achieved wizard status someday, which is what I assume happens when you become (laughs) become famous (laughs) playing magic. Much love. Soap guy. Oh, thanks, Soap guy. Oh, man. We should say that Soap soap guy. Soap dude, whatever. You're having me say a fake code name. Anyways, this is Mike and Tony's old roommate. Yeah, and it's it's on us for, for bringing him into it in a draft for the first time. Yeah, that's like, so here's here's my answer to the question. A draft is the worst fucking way to learn how to play magic. 
not only is it confusing and are you super isolated, you're like supposed to know how to build a good deck on the fly. Like I'm a good deck builder and I suck ass at drafting. <laughs> well, so in fairness, I, I, I can't totally remember the draft, but I'm pretty sure that what it was was a battle bond draft. So we did a battle bond draft at our apartment where you you drafted in pairs. And so I we had a bunch of friends come and like some of them definitely did not did not have a ton of magic experience. And like Stephen was one of them. My invite must have got lost in the mail. Yeah, your your invite's in the mail still. I think like UPS sent me a note the other day. They're like, oh, it didn't like didn't make it. Uh but the Asshole. the way it works is you, you draft in pairs, so everybody who didn't have experience was like matched up with somebody. Maybe that was his second experience and it was still really poor, which feels bad. <laughs> but like, I think that might have been it. But I do agree with you. Draft is not the best way to get into magic. But uh, to be honest with you, I personally feel like I don't have a good answer to like what is the best way or a good way to get into magic. And I think Mike might have a better one just because like I'm really bad at like teaching people things in general let alone this very complicated game that we play. Like yeah. I try to break it down, but it there's just so much uh, that I feel like I don't know the best way really to, to get new players in. Yeah, it's challenging. I really do regret throwing uh, this person right into a soap draft. Man. <laughs> yeah, Soap, dude. Mr. I think soap. Mr. Soapington, the third. But it's also uh, just like how we played. We were like hanging out, like drinking, having a good yeah. time. So it was, it was like a mix of things, but magic was at the core for sure. And it, it honestly also might have just been like, we're doing this. Do you want to just jump in? Well, this is what we're doing anyway. Because yeah, we're taking over the apartment right now. Right. <laughs> <laughs> this is happening. <laughs> I think I think the big problem with draft, like you pointed out, Sam, is that you have to know how to build a deck and then build a deck on the fly. Uh, and if you've never even played the game before, you're you're not set up for success on that. The thing that's frustrating about it is limited play, like playing with limited decks is one of the most like new player friendly formats. Like the cards are generally more simple. You're playing with some, you know, vanilla creatures. There's like yeah. pretty reasonable things in the format. And so in that regard, it's actually a really good first impression of the game because you don't have to know like dense combo lines. There's less focus on specific interactions and and card like nicknames. No one's calling things fishbowl in, you know, draft. There's just like, mm -hmm. you know, red, black sacrifice. And it's like, okay, I don't know what sacrifice is yet, but then I can put together once I see what those cards are that are doing that. And so to that effect, I think Jumpstart is a great place to start with uh, new players um, so because true. it's sort of so a true. balance of that. It's some more interesting cards, some more simple cards, uh, and a good mix of that and no deck building constraints or restrictions. And you can just get started right away. Uh, I yeah. haven't played it a ton myself, but I do think that's a good one to start with. I played so much of it on Arena, and I I oh, feel yeah. like you're totally right there. I I'd like forgotten it existed because of like the printing issues and whatnot of the first round. But like right. it, it was very slap any two together in a combination, and they play well together, and it, you you just kind of do. Yep. Yeah, I think one of the great things about Jumpstart is that it has thematic cards for each side of your deck across a variety of power levels you know say you got the angel pack you'll have a rare and a mythic angel you also have some like kind of vanilla angels that are commons and uncommons yeah. like where you're saying mike with those limited formats in a draft you are playing 
you know, the six, six for six that has no text because that's a fucking bomb and limited. And it does give you that exposure to the weaker cards, which I think is truer to like the beginner's player experience where you're just kind of grabbing random chaff and playing. One of the problems with draft, in addition to the ones that we talked about, is you do need to be able to evaluate cards in a pack before you've really picked your colors. Uh, and even after you have picked your colors, you need to look at, let's say I'm going green or green black. I need to look at all the green and all the black cards in the pack I've been handed, evaluate which one is optimal for my deck build, for what I've already collected. Like there's so many levels to it. What have I drafted so far? What do I want to draft? Where do I want my deck to end up? Where's my mana balance going uh, with my mana values and things like that? Like there's so many pieces there. I, I think that that can be really daunting, even if you have a buddy helping you. And I think it's something that's hard to learn. And I, I still struggle with it. Yeah, I think you make a really good point about like being able to evaluate the cards in a pack. Because when I first did drafting, I knew all the rules to, to Magic. I knew how to play. And it was a really unpleasant experience to draft because I built a shit-ass deck. Yeah. And it sucked. And I had a really bad time. Like drafting is it's a, it's like a different skill set. Like yeah. you, you need to know how to evaluate the cards in a pack. And like I learned by watching Mike and Kenji Numatanumi Egeshira uh <laughs> do drafts over and over and over again, uh, like how to like start to better evaluate cards. It's just like a separate skill set. And while you don't need knowledge of like a wider format to succeed in drafting, you do need limited knowledge. You need to yeah. have some awareness of what's out there in the set, what the other archetypes are going to be doing and how you balance against that. Maybe in your friendly like kitchen table draft, that's not going to come up as intense because maybe some other people aren't great at drafting either, but to really enjoy it to its fullest and be successful with it, there's a ton of levels to it. To echo what uh, uh, Mr. Soap is feeling, it's really not a beginner-friendly format. Yeah, because yeah. yeah. also hot take, like, limited is really only fun when you're winning. Like, in the other formats, I, I can enjoy the deck-building process. I can enjoy, like, playing because there's lots of interactive things happening. If I'm just getting, like, stomped in limited games because, like, I built a shitty deck, I really just feel shitty. <laughs> I'm not like... Oh, I had a good time building the deck. I'm just like, oh, I fucking suck at life. <laughs> I'm like, I built a trash deck. <laughs> Honestly, my favorite part about, about drafting it. is the drafting. I fucking yeah. love cracking the packs, yep. reading the cards, passing the cards, Ooh. and making the deck. And then as soon as I have to play the deck, I'm like, oh, okay. Can we just draft more? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My my problem is I like all of limited. I love draft the draft portion. I like playing it even when I'm losing I just enjoy all of it and and that's the root of some of this post is coming from too is like I fell into the trap that a lot of magic players fall into where you have a component of the game that you love you love a format you love something about it you just love all of it and you're excited to share that game with your friends I kind of took the approach of oh let's share the thing that I'm most excited about rather than the thing that's like easiest to get started with, you know? And I think that that's something that yeah. can, you can, a trap you can fall into when you're introducing your friends into a game. And so, you know, if I could rewind and do that over again, I would just sit down and play a game of commander. Mm -hmm. I think commander, despite all its intense interactions, 
the innate kind of social component of it makes it very easy to have a, a really low stakes, low pressure introduction to the game uh, where you can, you know, figure out what cards and do and, and how it all works a lot better. I think one other way that you can bring new players in that, I don't know, maybe for older people, it might feel a little demeaning, but I think it's still really good is like, Sam, you talked about one of your friends that for his son or, or one of his children, he he wanted to introduce them to magic. And so he started it out with a deck of like just creatures yep. and land and every turn you flipped out a land and like you, they just did combat basically. And like, slowly and that doesn't exist right that's not a real format but mm-hmm. like using that as a stepping stone to be like all right let's get combat down because that's probably one of the more complicated mechanics and like get that all like sorted and then add in sorceries and then add in uh you know instance and like other, other art like artifacts and enchantments will like be easy to just kind of probably throw in afterwards and it's like after a little bit of that you probably have like a good understanding of how to do it and then you can add the full deck building component of like okay now like you're not going to get mana every turn like automatically like you have to draw into it and so on and so forth but yeah i I was about to say the same thing tony i mean one of the things that i think about all the time with beginners in magic is even before arena and uh mtgo there were like xbox games and like playstation games where you played magic like duel of the planeswalkers and stuff like that like they were mechanically simpler. The stack wasn't as um, precise and triggers weren't as precise. The deck Wait, building you play was a magic lot simpler. on an Xbox or a PlayStation. Yeah, dude. Really? Yeah. You've never played these games. I didn't even know they existed. Oh Me my neither. God. They're first of all, they're great. Sounds uh, old. Check chance. them out. I'm not that I'm like barely older than you. <laughs> <laughs> But these games are really were really fantastic for learning how to play and kind of like getting those basics. And one of the things I think about were the tutorial levels. Uh, and they basically would give you that experience of slowly introducing concepts to you. Um, and they sort of did it by like stacking the deck in the game mm-hmm. where your first hand would just be land and creatures. And you'd play like a land, you'd play a one drop, and you'd start combat pretty quickly. They'd be like, oh, why don't you block this creature? And you would, and you'd figure out what would happen. And slowly yeah. over the course of multiple games, it would give you more and more components to play with. Instance, sorceries, the timing of those. Usually giving you a sorcery first, and then being like, hey, you thought that was cool. What if you did it on someone else's turn? This is an instant. you know." Yeah. And kind of slowly building on that, making sure you're always hitting your land drops with the draws that are built in. And it it's just like, I think the best way to teach someone how to play magic, totally cold, not coming from any other card game backgrounds, is to try to emulate that experience to the best of your ability. Sometimes that's with, you know, land deck, a creature deck, and you slowly build up. Sometimes you're just playing very simple decks uh, with, with hands open and talking through your thought process and stuff like that. And there's a bunch of different ways to navigate that. Yeah. And to that effect, Magic Arena is an excellent tool for uh, a new player that's interested in learning the game. Uh, the only drawback is it's really not the best thing when your friend says, hey, I'm interested in playing that game that you like playing. And you say, oh, well, go play this video game and learn how to play it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> then you yeah. can come back, scrub. <laughs> yeah, that, that doesn't work so well. And it's Go kinda... get good and come back to me later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's kind of disappointing and unfun. But 
uh, for the, you know, the self-interested person that wants to go learn to play on their own or even just kind of like brush up and or get back into it after a while. Yeah. Um, you know, just getting on and even playing through some of those intro color challenges that are in the client. Yeah, that's a perfect example. They kind of warm you up and they do some of what you're talking about, Sam, of showing, you know, here's all the card types, here's how they interact, here's when yep. you can play them. Um, I actually over the holidays, I got all ready to teach a couple of additional family members because I was playing a lot with my brother-in-law and we were thinking, oh, it'd be fun if we could get a whole four-person group. Get a fucking pod for the holidays. Let's go. <laughs> One of the things that I did was just write out like a cheat sheet for the turn phases and the card types because mm. that's like one of the things there's no rule book for magic that is usable or helpful for a starter. <laughs> yeah. You know, the rules that exist is there's so can't, dense. You can't hand someone a 200 page PDF document <laughs> and be like, here you go. And it wouldn't help them learn to play the game, honestly. Like it's just too dense and weird. Yeah, it's like it's like if you were going to teach someone how to drive by handing them all of the traffic violation codes and being like, <laughs> yes. here you go, just interpret these rules and you'll know what to do. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, you know, just turn order like the turn, the phases of the turn, you know, the beginning phase upkeep, untap, draw. Untap, upkeep, draw. Oh my God. Edit that out. Oh God. Wow, this loser doesn't know the turn phase. <laughs> Beginning phase. Oh my untap, God. Upkeep, draw. You're about to teach all these people wrong. Everybody fucking at him right now. <laughs> no wonder Master Soap was so mad. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> but uh, to, to unfrazzle you, Mike, um, that's a really good point. Like writing that stuff out and creating a cheat sheet for a friend is really useful to put a bow on it. However you introduce someone to magic, it should really be based on their background in games. You know, if someone is coming from mm -hmm. another card game like Yu-Gi-Oh! or something that has similar steps and phases that you could point to, you could probably start them with a little bit more intense of a beginner lesson versus someone who's totally cold and just has no idea what the fuck is going on. That's when you want to really break it down simple like this is these are creatures, this is combat. This is the resource system. Anyone coming over from Hearthstone to Yu-Gi-Oh! is going to be okay and probably pick up on it uh, fairly quickly. Yeah. And don't draft. Don't do drafting yeah. for the first time. <laughs> don't, don't draft. draft. Even, though it's, draft. even though it's the way you love to play and you want to introduce your friend to something <laughs> you find really fun, don't, don't do it. Just don't do it. <laughs> Just don't. Do we give well, this one a salt rating? I don't think so. No. Yeah. Well, well, it does. Well, give us another one. How about another post? Well, is. <laughs> I would love to give you guys another post. Uh, this one comes to us from Reddit, and the username of this person is In Town for Magic Thirty. Hey, An incredibly hi. specific username, and we missed you by a few months. Uh, <laughs> definitely not In Town for Magic Thirty anymore. Yeah, but if you see him. Upload them. Yeah, if you see him time for Magic 30, give them that upvote. You know, spread that goodwill. And the post title for this one is Infect in a Power Level 7 Spell Table Room. Is that okay? And the post goes, just like the subject line asks, way past turn seven, I have a Sun Titan with a Cigar to Zade on board. So they can flash in uh, auras and equipment. I go to combat, flash equip Prowler's Helm before attacks swing to bring back sword of fire and ice with the sun titan 
and have enough mana to flash in a grafted exoskeleton, which gives infect. Dude, fuck you. I thought this was casual. <laughs> I replied oh, saying, wrong, bitch. <laughs> I replied saying that the room was labeled power level seven and just that. Nah, man, fuck you. Blocks, rage quits. So who's the asshole here? And to paint more colors to this picture, this is after I survive an austere command, destroying one set of artifacts and an overloaded Vandal Blast a couple turns later. Said opponent has a sacrifice loop going with Goblin Welder, Scrap Trawler, and Dreddy Scraps Avant on board. Everyone is set up. My commander is Ryu, World Warrior. P.S. I hate power levels, but it's what's used to label spell table rooms. This could have been solved with a rule zero talk, most likely, but I think there's a good understanding of the arbitrary power levels on spell table. Even by the chart linked below, which there is a link here, that that play falls into a seven. If you're reading this and were the person that raged, I understand it feels bad to be one turn killed, but you also have to understand how your actions affect others. Salty players in general, your snapping and bad behavior just leaves a bad taste and feeling in your opponents. So what do you guys think? Does that I feel, mean, does that play feel inappropriate for power level seven? No, it feels very seven to me. It feels precisely seven. Yeah. <laughs> it's not like Grafted Exoskeleton has the ability to be flashed in and to like equip at flash speed. There's other things that had to be on the board to like make that happen. And like, yeah, it, it's one card, you know? Now, if the deck strategy is always do that, like then maybe there's a different conversation to be had around like oh like you're trying to infect on everybody but it, it, it doesn't seem like that at all it's like one card it's in there as a win con like i've run triumph of the horde as a win con in like different decks i don't consider them to be overly powerful that's probably more powerful because i could potentially kill everyone at the table at once yeah. like yeah one sure. player you know yeah yeah i think that i think this is such an example of like just the classic salt you lose you're frustrated you feel yep. like you were out you know beaten by something you have to label it as cheap and dumb and broken and the person was obviously breaking some social contract and playing <laughs> that and you have to ascribe all of this stuff on it so that you can feel like you know you're you're not at fault for losing in that situation <laughs> um this is so power level 7 like I hate the power levels as well. I'm glad the OP mentioned that, but the board has required a lot of assembling. Pieces have come out. There's still chances to interact with that. There's so many layers here of very balanced and interactive gameplay that it just seems like a person couldn't interact with, and so they lost to it. Yeah, I mean, you have a Sun Titan, which is like the most... Sun Titan is like the staple of casual white cards. It's been reprinted <laughs> in every Commander product since yeah. fucking inception and granted it's a fucking dope creature yeah it's strong it's super strong but it's so casual as far it's as power very balanced go. and this type of stuff while flashing in equipment isn't telegraphed having a cigar to Zade on board is you're showing somebody that hey i'm going to be flashing stuff in you see the sort of fire and ice that's in my graveyard when i swing with sun titan it's going to come back in like, I don't think it's crazy to say, like, a Sun Titan with a Cigar to Zade out, equipped with three artifacts, is, like, busted. Like, that's a lot of pieces to knock a single person out. Yeah. yeah. 
Well, especially Mike points it out, like you can interact with these pieces. I think that's when things start getting to like a little bit of a higher power level. Like when you start to lose the ability to interact with things because they've either got like more counterspell package to like prevent you or just have more protection pieces on the board. Like that's to me when you start getting at least past the seven, like a seven, there's it's, it's all there on the board. Like removal for any one piece saves you in that situation. Yeah, I think there's something to be said for like slow interaction and fast interaction. Like a Sun Titan and a Sigardizade that sits on the table for one to two, maybe three turn rotations. You can be removing those with sorcery speed removal, sorcery yeah. speed interaction on your turns. Then if there are things that can only be interacted with with instant speed stuff, it starts to be pushed into higher power levels. You know, then you have things like, of course, Thassa's Oracle that can only be interacted with like very specific cards. Now you're looking at like really high level stuff. I will say I don't love the argument of like, just play interaction, just play more removal to get rid of that stuff. I think it's kind of a cop out. But at the same time, I'm not saying that you have to hold up interaction to prepare for something like this, but don't be surprised if you get knocked out beyond turn seven in a mid power casual game like that's expected and i wonder if it was colossus hammer instead of grafted exoskeleton the outcome could very well be the exact same something coming in at flash speed crushing an opponent very quickly are they going to be like that's not casual we talked about this in our episode with pat i think infect itself carries this like feeling that it's unfair or that it's cheap because it comes out of nowhere and I think also because it's only 10. I think that's probably what drives people more than like, yes, it does come out of nowhere. But I think the fact that it's just 10, like 10 is not that big of a number to reach with two or three equipments. But yeah, but I'm like, not saying I agree, but I think that is like one of the biggest vibes that I always hear totally. people say. It's like it only takes 10. Like, But I don't think commander damage is that much more. Uh, yeah. As someone who plays a Rafik deck, if, if I was playing a Rafik Infect deck or if I was just playing a regular Rafik deck, I'd be killing you just as fast. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> might kill me a little faster with Infect. Infect. <laughs> the math works out, guys. Don't think about it too much. <laughs> yeah. Um, 10 and 21 are basically the same. So, yeah. So there is one other thing here that I want to have a quick conversation about. In Town for Magic 30 talks about how they don't like the power level system. You mentioned that as well, Mike. And I think we should talk about the power level seven cliche a little bit. Um, I think everyone knows this at this point. There's the 10 point EDH power level scale. We will copy the image that this person provided uh, so you can match it up and take a look at it. I mean, there's a bunch of different categories and things that fit into like what gives you different power levels. Generally, CDH is like a 9-10, fringe at 9, full at 10. And then you have your casual power levels between 1 and 7. Or, or sorry, you have casual power levels between 1 and 8, ranging from like just a pile of like cards you swept off the ground into a deck at 1 to something that's like pretty damn tuned at 8. So there's this cliche that every deck is a 7. When people are assessing their power levels, Generally, they give themselves a seven because it's it's powerful. It's not fully optimized, but it's good. And it ends up being this massive gray area. I think the power level scale actually does its best work at the extremely high levels with a nine and a 10 or the very low levels 
between like a one and a four. I think everything from like a five to an eight is like pretty nebulous and dependent on play group. Yeah, it is. And I think that a lot of people struggle to evaluate like some numeric ranking for their deck one, because they, they just kind of choose the number that seems right. And it's like, Oh, well, seven is my, like, I'm, I'm good, but I'm not crazy. Like, Oh, I didn't put so much money into this deck. Like I'm not doing broken things. And so it just kind of feels like it. And then also there's so much variance in commander that your deck, you know, feels good sometimes and it feels bad sometimes. And so because of that, you give it kind of a middling rating. You're like, you know, sometimes this deck is good. Sometimes it's bad. It must be a seven. Um, And I just think that it's putting way too much stock in trying to simplify things into one number instead of being able to have a conversation of like, there's some spicy equipment in this deck and, you know, it has pretty strong things, but I'm not running fast mana and I'm not running... uh, free counter spells you know something like that explains where you're at a lot better than just some jammed out numeric rating i think in blind pods too and i I will caveat that we don't have a ton of experience with blind pods we're getting more but we don't have a ton we play so insulated in our own group with blind pods it's it's so subjective to the pilot you know it's like i'm saying my deck is this power level and what's your frame of reference you know Mm. playing against other people who say that their deck is a specific power level. Like if I'm playing a seven and I crush a bunch of sevens, were they not sevens? Was my deck not a seven? Was I really an eight? Were they really fives? Was it just a variance and it was a bad game? I mean, it's really hard to say. One of the things that we do in our group, we actually talk about the power levels of each other's decks. And we don't do this too often because we play pretty balanced. But every once in a while, we'll have a deck that's really strong and rips through our own little meta here. And the three others will be like, that deck isn't as casual as you think it is. Yeah. <laughs> that is well, high power. And yeah. we need to like move that to a different level, you yeah. know? And that your high power deck shouldn't be playing against our mid power, low power jank and vice versa. You know, we might be like, hey, man, like that deck's cool, but seems like you're losing a lot. Like that's probably mid power. I don't think you should be bringing that, that knife to our gunfight. And <laughs> we kind of, find those levels ourselves and and work with each other to find them which again is something that you can really only do in like a play group setting not blind online but that's a good way of doing it if you have those if you have that like capability yeah but i do think just just simplifying into <clears throat> high power mid power and low power with cdh being its own separate entity honestly is worthwhile because yeah you know, people often talk about the difference between CDH and casual games being sort of a mentality shift of playing to win, as well as a deck building mentality shift of really, really putting in trimmed lists that, you know, every card is is well selected. I think salt levels come along with those mentalities. At CDH, there's no salt. At high power casual, there really shouldn't be much either, unless you're really getting focused down or like totally blown out. Like you should be expecting to see some spicy shit, even power level seven. If you're going to abide by that, you should expect to see three to four card combos that can win the game. And and then as you go down from there, I mean, if you start to see like really hard stacks or heavy control at like your mid and low power games, like nah, yeah, you're kind of upsetting the apple cart there and you Mm -hmm. can be rightfully salty that someone is not really bringing like the vibe 
that is is permitted there. When it comes to rule zero conversations, this is a weird thing too, because in town for Magic 30, I don't think this would ever come up in a rule zero conversation that they were like, oh yeah. Um, also, I have a Sun Titan, a Sigardazade, and three other equipment. And if I get all of them out at the same time, I could potentially one shot kill you with infect damage. On one like, player. <laughs> yeah, on one player. Like this is, that's such a corner case scenario that happened just by virtue of the game playing itself out that, or that kind of stuff isn't going to get mentioned in a rule zero conversation. As the player and as the opponent, you do need to leave space for that variance and not get too salty when like crazy circumstances come up and there's a bit of a blowout. Yeah. It becomes on the player that has this like intense reaction to a specific thing to kind of speak up in a rule zero conversation, honestly. Like if someone, if someone is really truly going to get uh, extraordinarily upset, if any card with the word infect printed on it is played on the table, (laughs) they have to be upfront about that, you know, because there's, there's nothing in the game that is, so crazy that someone wouldn't think oh that's reasonable to put in a deck so if if other people have a huge issue with something you kind of have to be upfront about that a little bit that's a really good point because i could have a rule zero and rattle off every single stacks card i'm not running every single mass land destruction card i'm not running every single infect card i'm not running or i could explain what my deck does and if an opponent has an issue with that it's kind of the onus is on them to really Mm. bring it up and be like hey straight off the bat I'm not looking for an experience that includes this kind of stuff. Can we avoid that if it's possible and then kind of navigate it from there? Yeah. And be aware too, if you're a player who in trying to think of what you would say has summoned up a laundry list of like 30 different items that you don't want to experience in a game, you might be being unreasonable and you might need to like expand what you're comfortable playing against. Cause yeah, there's a lot in the game. You just have to be comfortable with some things happening you don't have to play them, but you do have to be comfortable with some things showing up across the table that you're not excited to see. And maybe you're not playing a power level seven if you're doing that, you know? Maybe you need <laughs> to have a comfortable five or a nice, yeah. a nice relaxed four. Um, really tune it down. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like the scale is so it's just trash. Humans are bad at like one to tens. Like it's yeah. too much variance. Yeah. And so I liked what Mike said earlier of like, because really it was just a, a three point scale, right? Like yep. a lot of do like people will say one, three, five, like of low, mid, high. Like it's just sort of a something that like as humans, literally, like we can wrap our minds around more readily and like categorize better. But what yeah, do, I mean, uh, we really do like a one to four, low, mid, high and CDH. And guess what? We don't play any ones. So (laughs) I do. It's really. (laughs) No, you don't. Some days it feels like my deck's a one, but I know that's what I'm saying. (laughs) That's what I'm saying. Uh, There is one other thing I want to point out here, which is that this pissed off salty player said, dude, fuck you. I thought this was casual, which implies that a Sun Titan equipped with a prowler's helm <laughs> sort of fire and ice and a graphic exoskeleton is cdh level play which I think is fucking crazy. yeah you're right because if it's not casual then it's cdh yeah, if it's so. not casual it's cdh which is like that is the most casual shit i've ever heard like yeah. the 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 staple casual card sun titan 
with three equipments on it is honestly like what makes amazing. it more casual is that somebody was that salty about it <laughs> yes <laughs> it truly was a power level seven room with somebody yeah. screaming and blocking <laughs> someone <about that. laughs> oh god uh, love that so yeah well, what do we think about the salt rating here so high dude rage quitting over something like this i mean you know we've kind of talked it to death but sam he was slighted (laughs) (laughs) his honor was besmirched yeah (laughs) um yeah i mean this is salty uh wicked fucking salty i mean if you if i say power level seven and you play any infect against me i'm gonna be salty and i'm gonna be screaming You bring that CDH shit to my Christian power level seven Minecraft server. <laughs> I am going to be flipping out. <laughs> Absolutely. Give me another fucking post. <laughs> oh, wait, are we doing another one? Or are we doing two? Uh, I think we should do another one and we can just let this one go a little long. It's our first one of the new year. You know, these fucking brats. Get them more than they paid for. I know. We'll just put half out and then we'll be like, if you want the rest, join Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, yeah, so let's hit one more. This post comes to us from one of our patrons, and this one comes to us from our buddy, Prime Speaker Florian. Hey. What's up, Florian? What's up, dude? <laughs> and this story says... My first salty story for you involves the awesome poster card, Howling Salt Mine. I played my Howling Mine on turn one, thanks to a turn one soul ring. That alone gave me a mixed feeling, even for me. A quick look back, we agreed to play a tad more spicy and allow only one rollback for one action, which is an interesting way of doing their take backs. So the game goes on, and I noticed two players forget to draw the second card for multiple turns. Then when I played my finisher card in Expropriate, One of them said, oh, I forgot to draw the last five extra cards and just draws them. I stop (laughs) the game and we all engage in a discussion. I open up with, hey, we talked about how we want to play a bit more spicy and only roll back a single action. So the five draws are lost. The player responded with, but I could have drawn a counterspell to handle your win. I laughed and asked the others at the table. They mainly held back their opinions. I got a bit agitated as a rule frame was set at the beginning and we are not just jumping around because one player was winning. The player I had the discussion with scooped up his cards and was very upset. They said it would be unfair as the triggers are not of the May nature and we are not playing a tournament. I tried to calmly explain my point again and they went and even left the LGS. We all shrugged and continued to play more games. Oof. That's salty. That's really salty. Yeah. Yeah. I have so much experience with this too. I miss triggers all the time. I'm a fiend. Uh, <laughs> and and I feel so bad every time I do. I got to say, and this is a viewpoint that I've been establishing more and more, the more I've been playing, that I do think that triggers are a great thing for the entire table to make an effort to appreciate uh, and to call out because the, the triggers happen, you know, even if it's a May kind of honestly the trigger happens and you can choose to decline it or not so i think in an instance like this if you've noticed someone is missing a howling mine trigger Mm -hmm. um it's not a bad thing to call out 
like, hey, don't forget a howling mind trigger, you know? In fact, you should. It's a it's not a may, like it's a great thing for people to be calling those triggers out. And then when you get into a situation where someone says, Hey, I, I missed the last five triggers of this, you can be a little bit more upfront of like, I'm not sure you did. Like we've all been making an effort to call out our triggers. Like, you know, everyone's been looking for these triggers. You missed it. That that kind of sucks, but let's not roll the game back three turns. Uh, Cause you have to make the case like, Oh, if you missed those five draws, then maybe we should change all of those turns that have happened yeah. since then. And you just, that case is just impossible to make. So, uh, you know, this makes me really salty having people go back on their word on how they want to proceed in a game. As sorry as I am, that player had to walk out. I'm glad that everyone else was able to keep playing and find more fun. How do you feel about like the scenario of like what could have been done from the perspective of he's like, oh, I have these five draws I should have. Do you think he should do them right then? Do you think he should do them when expropriate resolves? Do you think he should do them like at all? Like I, I'm curious of thoughts around that. I think you can scoop and look at the top five of your cards and say, oh, I would have drawn this and then yeah. remind yourself to not be such a dunce next time you're playing a cross from <laughs> yeah. an <Elling> mine. <laughs> yeah, I think if if Florian had played a Lanawar elf and passed, that player wouldn't be like, wait, I get five draws. It's because yeah. it was a win con, you know, sure. and, and I'll echo Mike. Like, I agree. I think it's the onus is kind of on the table to remember everything. Um, if you're noticing people missing stuff, I think it is like best behavior to point that out, especially mandatory triggers like Howling Mine. Yeah, especially mandatory triggers. I mean, even May triggers are still items that go on the stack and need to be resolved. And um, I think that, you know, being such like a rules stickler that I am, I think anything that goes on the stack needs to be discussed and resolved because it's a it's part of the game state. Right. That said, if things truly are missed, there are moments where. I forget a risk study trigger. Mike forgets it. Tony forgets it. Nick forgets it. We're all forgetting it and it passes and none of us pick up on it. When those things happen, the moment has passed. Yep. It has gone by. If it's not a May trigger, maybe you have an argument, but I think your argument falls flat a little bit when someone has their win con on the stack and you're like, <laughs> agreed. and you're like, oh, but I need to stop you from winning now. So now I give a shit about it. It's yeah. like, you should like, <laughs> Like just because I'm about to win doesn't mean that you need to roll everything back, you know, multiple, multiple turns of missing things. Would you have felt different if it was a Lanawar Elf though? If it was a Lanawar Elf and in that moment he's like, oh, I should have drawn five cards. Like that's a lot. Like, do you I feel mean, the same or do you feel different? Out of that's curiosity? hard because when, when I hear that someone has forgot five cards, it makes me think that multiple people weren't tracking that game state. Mm -hmm. And then I really wonder about the arbitrary nature of that card that's called out. I think it's one thing to be like, oh, I forgot to draw for Howling Salt. God, I'm calling it our own podcast name. <laughs> I think it's one thing to say, I forgot to draw for Howling Mine on my last turn. I think it's another to say, I forgot to draw in the last five turns, and now I deserve five extra cards in my hand. Agreed. Yeah, you know, totally. like, I think after the full table rotation goes by, the board state has changed enough where you don't get to pull back those draws from the past. It yeah. has gone through. Everyone forgot the trigger. No one brought it up. It just is what it is, you know? Yeah. I think you're hinting to it at this idea of sort of an integrity of a game state. Yes. And I think mm. that uh, that's something I hold really important. And I think, you know, this is something I really, really appreciate in our group that we're all looking for a game that has been played 
through maximum integrity. You know, I don't want to win because someone missed a trigger. I don't want to win because, you know, someone like accidentally misinterpreted a rules piece. I want the game to proceed precisely according to all correct rules and proceedings. And, you know, the outcome of that be decided by who navigates everything the best. And so even when something is missed, because that's going to happen, that exists, people make mistakes. At that point, you then need to decide, is the game integrity better if we kind of pause and adjust the game state by rolling back or, you know, allowing the player to draw the additional card now? Or is the game integrity better if we just say, accept, okay, we missed that. We will make sure we don't miss that going forward. And we're just going to settle with where we are right now. Well said, dude. That is, yeah, that captures it very well. (laughs) (laughs) If there's one other thing I can say about this post that actually makes me. Maybe you shouldn't. Maybe you should just let it like (laughs) to not just end on a high note here. (laughs) The one other thing about this post that actually does make me salty is the other two players not backing Florian up. Definitely. When something like this happens, it can't be an argument between two people deciding how to resolve it. It has to be a discussion at the table deciding what the best resolution is. So so that makes me kind of sadly salty on the side. And I hope in the future that people would be willing to give their input, even if they don't you know, want to have ownership of how we go forward with the table. Yeah. Another point I want to bring up is... You know, we had just talked about power levels, playing at different power levels and and even like the levels of salt that generally come along with those power levels and what you should kind of expect. And I think with higher level play, you lose on missed triggers. It just kind of is what it is. I mean, there should still be that integrity of the game state. There should still be that space where everybody is trying to remember and trying to keep each other accountable for triggers and things like that. But if something is truly forgotten, there are no rollbacks at really high tier play uh, in CDH, unless it's like a real drastic impact to the game or it's something that's easily rolled back. We don't permit any of that stuff in our group um, in high power. It becomes a little bit more forgiving. And then in like medium power, really casual games where we're just kind of goofing off. It's like, Oh, you missed four, like fucking draw them, dude. Like who gives a shit? Especially when you're about to lose in a low-power yeah. game. Yeah. <laughs> like, if you draw them, it won't matter. Yeah, you don't <laughs> run any counter spells in that deck. <laughs> yeah, you're like tapped out. And you're like, can I draw these four cards? Fucking draw 50, baby. Like, yeah. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> <Give> a shit. <laughs> Still going Still die. Still hitting you with my sun titan, dude. I'll give you a free necropotence in this grafted exoskeleton. It's still going straight to your face. Yeah. <laughs> And and based on what Florian said, it sounds like they did do a good job of laying that out at the beginning and saying like, hey, this is how we're going to handle rollbacks in this game. You can roll it back a single action, and that's as far as we're willing to go back, which speaks to playing at kind of a higher power level where that, that precision of play is expected. So in that kind of setting, I mean, that just kind of adds to how this isn't appropriate. Again, you have like the Lanoir argument are you really going to be asking for those five cards if, if Florian wasn't winning the game? Probably not. And if you knew that you forgot five cards, why weren't you asking for it previously? I don't know. It just like smacks of uh, somebody kind of being a little fucky with it. If this uh, behavior isn't appropriate, would you say it's expropriate? 
Pun purgatory, here I come. Put this man in pun purgatory. What with that? Is it that time of the week? Is it? Uh, yeah. The time that comes every week? Every motherfucking week, baby. I know this time of the week. It's the time of the week where we say, Mike, what's the salty card of the week? The salty card of the week this week is... (laughs) Well... There was no interruption. I, I, I hold on. I'm thinking of one. That's amazing. Oh, I gotta go quick. It's Hakori Dust Drinker. Should all the salty cards something and all the salty cards? Salty cards. Salty cards. And Mike tells a salty card. Thank you. Trying to think of like a New Year's song. So I butchered old Lang Syne. That was nice. perfect. We used to sing old Lang Syne. You should you should have just sung the bass part. Shoot old. He forgot. Oh my god, it's the longest one. It's the longest one in history. <laughs> oh man tony <laughs> can we it. sing it right stop. now <laughs> it won't stop someone save me oh uh, man well thank god we're done with that um there's a youtube video of tony and i singing old lang syne somewhere on the internet if you can find it uh good luck yeah good luck good luck <laughs> the salty card of the week this week is hakori dust drinker it's two a white and a white for a legendary creature spirit lands don't untap during their controllers untap steps. Oh, fuck that. <laughs> <laughs> At the beginning of each player's upkeep, that player untaps a land he or she controls. So, uh, Tony. It's not even fucking blue and I hate it. <laughs> I, I, well, I mean, tell me how much I've seen it. Cause I was like, this card won't make me salty. Like I've never even fucking heard of it. <laughs> you said that it's my least favorite thing on the planet stacks. <laughs> um, yeah. I tell what's the stat line on it. It's a two, two for two, four. Two. It right. is a hate bear. It is. Yeah. It is in definitely a, in a, a limited environment, it would definitely be a good play. You know, I don't know about that. Honestly, <laughs> I think it would. A two, a two, two for three that for on four. your turn, you're over oh, four for four, two and two white. white. Yeah. So it's, it's a winter it's orb with legs. Yeah. That you can't abuse. Yeah. You can't tap it's, it down uh, to turn it off. It's it definitely. Yeah. I don't like this card. <laughs> it's still <laughs> the moral of the story, <laughs> despite its limited play ability or not, uh, not a fan of this kind of effect. I feel like I don't even know what to say. Like, <laughs> fuck that card. Like, I don't like that at all. Fair enough. Short and sweet. It's probably going to be like, oh, it stags. It's good. Like, <laughs> so, Sam, shit. how do you feel about this card? Aw, it stacks. It's good. Aw. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is an interesting card. I'm kind of viewing it from the perspective of a stacks player where I don't love this effect for four mana. Um, I mean, like you already mentioned it, Mike, Winter Orb at two mana is an abusable effect. You can use effects to tap down the Winter Orb so it becomes asymmetrical. Hakori Dust Drinker, you don't really get that ability. 
I have played against a Hokori dust drinker once. Our friend Jeff played it in a Sisse Weatherlight Captain mm. uh, legendary tribal deck and busted it out. And unbeknownst to him, completely turned on my Teferi Chain Veil combo because it turned everyone else <laughs> off. And I was like, oh, I can play through this easily. And I ended up winning, which was great. So I have fond memories of it, but um, <laughs> that was really my only time playing against it. I do love that it drinks up dust and it makes me think of it like slurping up a bunch of salt, which I think is pretty great. And it's a Kamigawa card, so it's got a bit of a place in my heart just for that. But mm. playing against these effects are salty. They're frustrating when, when you can't uh, tap things down. But having it be a creature is a little bit easier. Having it be a four-cost creature with two white pips you know, it's not probably coming down on turn two like a winter orb could. Um, and in the decks that are probably running it, like maybe they're getting some kind of extra value off of it to make it slightly asymmetrical, maybe with like dorks and things like that. But I don't know. I, I think it doesn't see a lot of play for a reason. I just don't think it's like the the best stacks piece out there. Well, at the same time, I think it just, well, this, this like really slows the game down. Like this is like a like, okay, most of the time when you're playing this, everyone on the table is like tapped out. Like you're not going to play it if your opponents aren't tapped out. So it's just like such a slow roll thing. So hopefully it's at a point in the game when like they're kind of taking control and doing something. But otherwise I think like, that's what I really hate about it. That it's like the next like three or four turns, everybody's being like, all right, pass go. I don't tap yeah. on land. Like maybe I swung with a creature. I just find that boring. I just don't like that. So what do you think about this card as a commander? Oh, talk about salt. Talk about my level, <laughs> like casual seven. I would be like, get that shit out of here. <laughs> like, No, I don't want to. I, I would maybe scoop at the start. I'd be like, nah, <laughs> this just isn't the game that I want to play right now. Like you won. I think it's really bad as a commander. Yeah. I mean, like maybe there's a strategy that's lost on me right now, but I don't see how white plays through this very well. White already doesn't have a ton of good mana rocks. Maybe you're playing like three and four cost mana rocks yeah. to like have some uh but you don't have dorks in white you build a white weenie deck where you go wide and then you suffocate everyone and then you just swing at them and kill them you're yeah. running like all the rocks and all of the recently printed treasure generation in white yeah like i could see this being played in something that ramps hard as hard as white can and relies on mass land destruction frankly to pop out hikori zoot all the lands and then your opponents are only playing one land per turn and can only untap one land per turn and kind of doubling down on those harsh land effects but i don't know it just seems like it seems like one of those commanders that if you played a deck like this you are people are gonna see it people are gonna be like oh hikori dust drinker is your commander cool i'm gonna focus you out of this game as fast as i can like it's probably better in the 99 where you can be sneaky with it. How do you feel about this, Mike? Uh, I'm honestly mentally brewing it already. Now that I've heard got a list guys. on the fucking side. Like, <laughs> yeah, the mox field is open, my friends. <laughs> no. no. Um, I won't be friends much longer. <laughs> I think this is generally weaker than a lot of the other cards that we see that do this this or similar effects um i am surprised to see it where it is on the on the list i'm going to get your guesses in a second 
maybe it's just the lack of seeing this card in our meta or around us that makes it seem so uh, odd on this list, but it's definitely a salty effect. It just seems rarer than it usually is. Yeah. So where do you guys think that this card falls on the uh, the salty cards? 47. You think 47? I'd uh, say more like 52, like bottom 50%. You know, it's going to be up there because it's like a winter orb style effect, but I just don't think it sees a ton of play. This is the 27th card on Whoa, the salty damn, cards. Girl, yep. damn. How many <laughs> how many decks does it have as a commander, Mike? Uh, let me check that really oh, quick. That's a good I'm gonna bet that it's this isn't like one of those sub it's 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 definitely sub 200 decks. It shows up as the commander for 250 decks. Oh, close. It's it shows still pretty up low. in 3,000 decks. So still yeah. honestly pretty low for it's as pretty a card. Low. Yeah. I mean, it has a bad stat line for its effect. And I think yeah. if you're going for that, you play Winter Orb, you know? Probably, yeah. I agree. But man, as a commander... <laughs> I'm looking at it on EDH Rec right now, and it's literally just every white hate bear. Yeah, every white <laughs> hate bear and rocks. Like, it's a salt ball. You're just yeah. trying to be as salty as possible. Play, like, Mages of the Tabernacle, Armageddon, like, literally everything. Prison effects, ghost. I can't prison, wait to build kind of this, shit. honestly. <laughs> you, <it's a> trash. <laughs> I think you abuse it with flicker effects, which I don't see on here yet. Uh, I'm just, I'm high off the recent Abdel build, and I'm like, how can I flicker this out during my turn and untap all my lands? <laughs> Whew. Uh, Guys, I, I can't. I have to leave the episode because I'm gonna go brew this He's real flustered. quick. Hot <laughs> and bothered over here. <laughs> Hey, could you phase it out? You could. Maybe, yeah, just maybe phasing is how you do it. Just stop. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, don't get me started on the brewing. I, I will not help you with this one, Mike. <laughs> I'll have to lean on Pat, our resident salt beast. You can, you can DM me, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that concludes the uh, the salty card of the week. Well, thanks, Mike. That was great. And thank you to the listeners for tuning into another episode of the Howling Salt Mine podcast. This episode was a little longer than normal. You know, we took a, our time to kind of come back and chat a little bit. Uh, the listeners don't know through the magic of backlogged episodes, but uh, the three of us actually haven't talked in a couple of weeks now. We, we backlogged a bunch in December and have been traveling and doing um, things for Christmas and stuff like that. So you know, this was uh, kind of our first time getting back together. Um, if you guys want to find more of our content, check us out on Instagram. We're at the Howling Salt Mine on Instagram. Check us out on Twitter at Howling Salt Mine. Instagram is kind of our home base, and Twitter is sort of where we just kind of hang out and chit chat. And check out our Patreon; it's popping right now. I think we may still have some slots left for getting four of those salty treasure tokens if you want to get those but i think those are dwindling pretty quickly uh but you can join our three dollar tier and hop in our discord or join at the seven dollar tier get those tokens and get some bonus content every single month and um keep your eye on that because the tiers are going to grow this year we're going to be getting more stuff pushed out to the patreon and the discord group is uh growing as we speak. It's becoming a really fun community. So if you want to get in on that, um, it's it's worth your time and worth your money. <laughs> hey. Hey. <laughs> <laughs>
Mike is so villain disappointed laugh. in me. You're just villain laughing over there, <laughs> <laughs> telling people to give you money. <laughs> give me money. <laughs> um, what else do we usually say? Review us. Give us some five star reviews on whatever you're listening, or you know, if you hate us, then don't. But please do give us five star <laughs> reviews. <laughs> uh, it does help you know, other people discover our podcast and just lets us know that you like what we're doing. And so we can keep doing it. Yeah. And we read every review that gets posted up. We read every little piece of encouragement and uh, share it between us and boy, it warms our hearts. Uh, And if you guys want to get one of your posts talked about on a future episode, email it to us at the howling salt mine at gmail.com, or you can DM it to us on Reddit. We're at the howling salt mine on Reddit or Instagram or Twitter, any of the aforementioned social media places, just shoot us a DM, tell us your salty story, give us a salty confessional, tell us about some time you got a friend salty, you got super salty, everyone in the LGS got salty. Um, We want to hear about it. We want to talk about it, joke around about it, and dissect it a little bit on the show if you are down. So get that over to us. We'll get it in the queue. And lastly, of course, we always love to close our episodes by shouting out our amazing podcast artist jd burnett if you guys are in Asheville, north carolina go visit devin and get a sweet tattoo from him he's an awesome dude and um his art is just fantastic hell yeah and as always stay salty and don't forget to draw an additional card during your draw step it's the Speaking of being echoey as fuck, hold on. I got to, uh, I got to hang up my, uh, hold on. Let me let Mike back in. I got to hang up my curtain. Got to hang up these nuts. <laughs> <Ew>. <laughs> Hopefully my internet doesn't fucking shit on me again. I'm struggling over here. <laughs> you look like it, even though you can't hear me. All right. I'm going to fill my water as she does whatever that is. Uh, Oh no, you both just walked away, but I just burped, but I guess only Sam will hear it. Uh, uh, let out another one when you walked away, Sam, so you can, you'll have fun with that too, in theory, unless you cut all of this and you'll never hear any of it. Said opponent has a sacrifice loop going with Goblin Welder, Scrap Twaller, Scrap trawler and ready The scrap trawler. <laughs> oh, he's twalling for scrap. <laughs> no. No. Oh no. <laughs>